Hello and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. The goal of this show is to educate, uncover, eradicate, dismantle racism because we are really, really committed to creating a world where racial equity exists for everyone. Beloved, as I come to you today, um, I am in this place of extreme gratitude for each and every one of you who have listened in on the show and to all of my guests um, who have been on this show since May of 2021. I have been doing this show since that time. And my first guest, as I was thinking about it, was Dr. Anita Sanchez, who is uh, an indigenous woman. And she actually came on the show to really talk about the complex, uh, excuse me, complex history that we have as it relates to uh, race in this country. And when she came on, what was really interesting is, is that she talked about the ways in which we could heal. And she talked about the gift of forgiving the unforgettable, the gift of unity, the gift of healing, and the gift of hope. And since that time, we've had people who've come on who've been able to share the ways in which they have practiced forgiving and unity. And really, we've had folks who've been on who've been advocates of uh, racial equity and activists who are um activists of racial equity. And I see those two things as very different because activists to me are people who are out there constantly, you know, doing this work and they're sort of uh, front and center of doing this work all the time. And then there are people who are advocates who promote racial equity, but perhaps not in the same way as that this is their full-time job of what they are doing. But nevertheless, the work of an activist, an advocate, and all of those who are in between is very important because it takes all of us really to dismantle racism. We cannot do it alone. And the guests that I've had on my show have been people not who are just front and center doing the work, but everyday folks who have figured out how to promote racial equity in their jobs is there have been folks who've done it through looking at genealogy. I've had folks on the show who've taken a look at sitting down at the table where I've had uh, descendants of enslaved people sit down with descendants of enslavers. Of course, I've had the people marching in the streets. I've had uh, Ida B. Wells' granddaughter on the show talking about how she continues the work of her grandmother. I've had people on the show talking about how do they engage in this work as entrepreneurs. I could spend the show talking to you about uh, what you have seen and heard, hopefully, over the last two and a half years. But if you've missed any of my shows, I want to invite you to go back and listen to those shows, because I know that some of you out there are still in a place of wondering, what can you do? There are some of you who are out there who are fear, feeling very weary and overwhelmed, thinking about how long do we have to continue this fight? And I hate to say it, but I think it's something that will continue throughout our time. 
if we don't bring enough people along with us to shine the light into the world. I'm grateful again for you listening to the show. I am so grateful for the people who've come on the show. Now, I say all that to say I want to encourage you to continue to do this work, but I also want to share with you that after some much thoughtful deliberation and quiet time, I am going to take a hiatus from the show, not take a hiatus from doing the the work of racial equity and social justice. I'm still very much doing that work, but I'm in a discernment period for seeing where I am to go next. I may be returning to this show on this platform. I don't know what I will be doing, but I just know now I'm in that discernment phase of what is the next level for me to engage in this work of dismantling racism. And so I wanted to share that news with you at the top of the hour before I do my show with my guest today, Michael Grant, so that you have time to breathe that in and you have time to absorb that news, but also that you can listen to the show today with a critical ear for what might uh, come up for you today. And of course, as always, I want to hear from you. I would love for you to connect with me at sacredintelligence.com and just let me know how much you valued the show, what you uh, liked about the show, what you would have liked to have seen differently. And it will bless me as I'm going forward so that I can continue to do this work. My goal is to speak to the masses about dismantling racism. My goal is to work with people individually and to train people to do this work. There's a piece for each of us to do in this work of racial equity, and I hope that you will find your place. Know that you are not alone in this work. And so we all have to band together and figure out how to make this world a better place. So with that being said, I want to just take our time to do what we always do, and that is to breathe. That is to meditate. And why do we do that? Because the work that we do is highly charged emotionally, and we have to be very well grounded to do this work. And so it keeps us in a place of where we uh, remind ourselves to focus on the gold at hand and not get caught up in uh, uh, the mix of what's happening right here and right now, but to look beyond that into the future where we're going to create that world we want. So wherever you are, if you are able, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, plant your feet solidly on the floor or the ground. If you're outside, which is wonderful to be in nature. And I want to invite you just to begin to breathe, taking a very deep breath in and holding it and then releasing that breath. Ah, take another deep, deep breath in and hold it and just release that breath. And then one more time, a really deep breath in and hold it and release it. And now as you begin to just breathe in and out very slowly to your own rhythm, I want you to recognize that the very breath is your divine wisdom, your sacred intelligence, your inner guide. 
your sacred source, God, universe, whatever you identify it with. But that breath is what gives you life. So just breathe in, being reminded that the sacred is always with you. Your divine intelligence is always with you. And it helps you to make choices that are great for you while being great for others. That sacred intelligence, that beautiful, beautiful part of you will help you to know what your boundaries are. It will guide you so that you know when others are doing things that are harmful for you and to you, and it will help you to put up a stop gate. It will remind you to be careful of what you do to others, what you allow others to do to you, and what you do to yourself. Everything you need is within you. And that is the same guide and power and source that will help you to dismantle racism. So I just invite you to breathe in your power. Breathe in your courage. Breathe in your commitments. And just exhale fear, complacency, silence. Connect with those who are around you who are doing this work. They're not as far away as you think. Ask for the resources that you need to do this work. And by resources, they may be financial. They may be physical. They may come in the form of human help. But just ask your divine wisdom for what you need. And connect with that strength. And in this moment, connect with that overflowing, abundant well that's all around you. Just take a deep, deep breath in and then hold it and then release it and recognize that you have the power to change the status quo and that the power of one contributes to the power of many and the community. So take a deep breath in, sigh it out, and we say, and so it is, Ashe and Amen. I always feel much, much better after that. And I hope that you do too. And so this morning as we, or whatever time of day it is, because it might be afternoon for some of you who are listening, or you might listen uh, at night. But my guest today actually is a returning guest. And I am really delighted to have him to return because when we were on the, when he was on the show before, we actually discussed racial identity development, and specifically how he thought he was white. And during that time, we got a little bit into the work that he does. 
And today I invited him to come back because I want to talk a little bit more about the work that he is doing in the community and with his organization called Give Music Incorporated. He is the founder and president of Give Music Incorporated, which is a Springfield-based nonprofit organization. Their mission is to help the world express itself through entertainment technology. He's a songwriter and a music producer and was the senior production manager for MGM Springfield from 2018 to 2020. He continues to do this work out in the world, but more specifically, he is doing work with incarcerated youth. So we want to talk a little bit about that work that he's doing. And so before we have to take a quick break, I want to say hello to you, Michael, and welcome back to the show. Hi, good morning. And thank you for that. Uh, the welcome there. I really got, got deep into it. I enjoyed that. Thank you for having me. Mm, <laughs> you are so welcome. And so, of course, I have lots of questions for you. And I want to really talk about uh, what's happened since we've last been on the show, which was since you've last been on the show, which hasn't been that long ago. But I know yeah. you've been extremely busy. And and maybe we can talk a little bit about what awakenings you've had maybe since then. And then I want to jump into what you're doing with these incarcerated uh, youth because or youth who are incarcerated because they are more than uh, incarcerated yeah. youth. And so I think we have to be careful in our language with how we describe people. So we have to take a very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to jump right in. This Love is it. the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host. The Reverend Dr. TLC will be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mara Bronfu, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to the hard skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
We're back with my guest today, Michael Grant. And Michael, as I said, you know, at the top of the right before the commercial, last time you were here, you talked a lot about uh, waking up and realizing that you weren't white. And really, we talked about how George Floyd's murder impacted you. And I remember that you got a little bit emotional on the show and was surprised how readily it still comes up for you. And so I'm just wondering, how, how have you been since the show? What's been going on for <laughs> you? Because I know you've been incredibly busy. Yeah, I tend to, um, you know, I throw, I think I throw my work in, in you know, I, I do work to help myself get through the things that, are, that I'm going through and that my people are going through. I just throw myself in. Um, so I'm, I'm well, you know, I, um, I, I, I dealt with the things that, that men deal with over the last, you know, month and a half, you know, I'm still single. So just being out there trying to figure that world out is, man, I had to kind of put that on the side for a little bit so I could <laughs> get back to work because, uh, man, I, sheesh, um, there's that, but, um, I, I'm well and we're, we're working a lot. And I know I use the word work a lot, but I mean, there is a lot of work to be done. Um, so we're doing it. Well, so you know, so it's interesting, and and we won't tarry on this for too long. But you mentioned being single and having to put that to the side, which is really um, a sacrifice, right? And so, can you talk a little bit about what are some sacrifices that you have had to make when you say I'm throwing myself into my work, and 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 so I want to want to talk a little bit about some of those sacrifices, even as you're trying to navigate racism, yeah. what, what comes up for you? Man, you, you stayed, you know, I, I thought I was just going to come on here and talk about what we're doing, but okay, well, uh, we'll delve in. That, but I, but, but you, you brought it up and it's a, sac- it's a sacrifice. And so yeah. we are going to talk about your work. Okay. And, and, and if you'd rather not jump right into the hard stuff, we can save that question for later and talk about the work first. It's okay. It's it's okay. Let's, 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 you asked. So, so, um, right post COVID, I made a decision to reopen the nonprofit. So, you know, I I, backstory aside. So uh, it was around 2020 that we decided to reopen and we moved our, we tried to open our, for our first time inside an old church that was, that had been, um, they, they weren't holding church there anymore. I had taken my entire retirement mm. and put it into that church in order to um, in order to turn it into something that I could make money from and deliver the services that we wanted to do for young people. And at that point, um, real estate prices was going up. So the church, after we'd put in a significant amount of cash, the, the church decided they wanted to sell the property. And mm. so they sold the property, but we didn't get anything from that. I just didn't have an agreement that allowed us to get anything from it. So I, my entire retirement was wiped out when they sold the property and I put everything in storage. Um, from there, um, my lease was then up in the space that I was at. So I had to move out of there. And that was extremely challenging because I, at that point, didn't have a place to go. So I stayed in my buddy's basement for about a year while I figured out and lived on unemployment and just try to figure out where I was going to go to get this thing started. And um, uh, that was tough because I have a small child. I have a, an eight-year-old. She was six or seven at that point. So her just visiting dad on the weekend was like, you know, we're in, we're in my buddy's basement. And it was tough. We spent the Christmas in my buddy's basement. That was mm-hmm. amazing and difficult, mm-hmm. you know, um, because I knew the work, the work that I wanted to do and what I, the vision I saw was very poignant for me. And I didn't want to give it up and just, you know, 
bah. But at the same time, I didn't like how it was impacting me and my family and the people around, right? I'm trying to do both in duality. So um, I did a post and we ended up finding the space where we are now, um, which is downtown Springfield. And they gave us a phenomenal lease agreement. Um, and mainly because it's in the heart of a place that lots of other businesses simply don't want to be, you know, mm. but we're willing to be here because the people that we serve are here. Yeah. So we were able to come here and then that got us the ability to apply for a small state uh, city grant, which allowed us to apply for a larger state grant, which allowed us to apply for a state contract. So mm. it grew. But at this time, I'm still in and out of you know, couches and friends' houses and, and places like that. I stay where I can. I am, my focus is here, is mm-hmm. getting this business done. There's times where I'm here 24 hours. You mm-hmm. know, this place needs to grow. It needs to do what it's doing. So when I tell you I sacrifice, like I, I you know, I, I figure it out every day, every freaking and day. So, and, and that's, that's, that's what's important, I think, for our listeners to hear. Cause what you're saying is I'm committed to doing this work. So, yeah. Why are you committed to doing this work? Is the question. <laughs> when you were on before, you know, we talked about the life that you grew up in, where you thought you were white, you're hanging out in, in the yeah. suburbs. Blah, blah, blah. So why? Because not everybody has heard that show. Why are you committed to give music to this nonprofit and helping out young folks? Why am I committed? Oh, man. Uh, well, I, I, I started loving myself at some point, and that included my skin and my skin color. So it took me a long time to realize that the way I was um, interacting with the world was, wasn't the way the world was interacting with me. Mm. So like I had a perception of how people saw me and they were interacting with me. And it, as I woke up to the fact that I wasn't a white man walking around and and it sounds weird to say that, but like, man, it's hard to explain to someone, you know what I mean? But I I saw myself. You're talking about identity. You're talking about racial identity development, which we talked about the last time. Right. Right. So it's not, it's not like you physically physically thought you were white is really about identifying with whiteness more than you were identifying. Yes. That's, that's how this, yes. Perfectly said. Thank you. So I I had certain expectations when I walked into the room and as I've woken up to the fact that I, there are now different expectations when I walk into the room. Right. So, and, and I speak differently and I talk differently and I have different expectations from my interactions with folks. So I see how, how I, I saw how I was expecting and treating people has affected my community and mm-hmm. the others around me that are, are similar to me. And I decided that I want that I want to help young people and other adults move our agenda, our agenda forward, you know, mm-hmm. and this is a methodology for me doing that, not only working with them directly, but also working with the people who are you know, white, the people who have some interest in understanding this and making some change here, helping them to do that. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times they don't understand the barriers between them and the people they want to serve. They have a, they have a desire to serve, but there's a real barrier in between that. And just sometimes they don't see it. So because I am kind of living in that dual world, sometimes Mm -hmm. I can help mediate between those barriers. So it's interesting because what you're talking about is what we often talk about in our community about being bicultural, Mm. right? We have to be um, bicultural to know how to navigate in 
both worlds. Now, things are different uh, these days because sometimes the younger people are like, what you see is what what you get. But we tend to, those of us who a little bit older, and I'm a little bit older than you are, uh, you know, we it, there's been that raised in terms of having to know how to, to navigate whiteness is actually what it is. And, mm. and there's all type of research out here on what that term means. We're not talking about white folks. It's about navigating whiteness, this, this structure, this system yeah. that is yeah. based on um, white standards and knowing how to navigate both those worlds. And so what I wonder about, you know, uh, because there is this, this, this tenacity you have for the work that you're doing. You mentioned you got uh, a state uh, uh, opportunity. Talk about that because I think that leads into the conversation around what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. So we were, we had gotten asked to go into a facility and help them build a recording studio uh, because I'm a former songwriter and music producer. And that's kind of the world I was in. And some folks that what work type of facility, could you explain to people? Like- uh, it's an it's incarceration facility for young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they wanted to upgrade their studio. They had basically a laptop and some speakers and a microphone. And they were like, how can we make this better? So uh, me and back then a friend of mine, we went in and we were we looked at their space and gave them some recommendations. And it took them a few years to basically get back to us. Um, and they got back to us, had me walk through again. And I gave them some more recommendations. And as I was there, um, someone said to me, you know, we like your vibe, like your energy. You know, what do you want to do? And me at that point in my life, I was like, I don't care anymore. You know, I'm just going to tell the world what I want and see what happens. So I threw out some craziness. I was like, I want tractor trailer trucks. I want to turn them into recording studios and travel the country and teach young people that I just like threw this madness out. A couple million dollars, dude, just talking, talking stupid. And uh, she said, let me get my director. And uh, they went and got their director and they said, you know, you should apply for this contract. We're looking for folks to teach workforce development type things inside mm-hmm. facilities. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, you know, whatever, lady. Uh, this ain't the kind of things that, you know, we get funded for. So whatever, give it to me. Plus, it's going to be too complicated anyway. I ain't, whatever. And she sent it to me and it was easier than I anticipated because I was mm-hmm. I'd already gotten used to doing difficult things with the state or with mm-hmm. the city slash state grants. And this thing was a couple pages. I filled it out and I put everything I knew they weren't going to approve us for in that thing. Because <laughs> I didn't care. You know, I was at a low point. I truly didn't care. That's an interesting thought. It took me to get to a low point to ask for what I wanted. But anyway. Well, so, so, so I just have to pause because I'm having all kinds of thoughts over here. And, and one of those that I think is really important for, for our audience to know, like sometimes there's a surrendering that happens in this work. Now yours was more of like I don't care, but but it but 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 there's a surrendering that happens where you just put everything out there. And I just right before the show had a conversation with my girls and a friend, uh, and I'm gonna go biblical here just for a minute. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. There's a scripture that says that you have not because you ask not. Yeah. So I'm thinking as you're talking about this, you gotta ask for it, and you don't know what will come as a result of that. But the other thing is, it's like, sometimes you just got to just throw it all out there mm. and let's see what's going to happen. Because yeah. I believe that when you want something bad enough, God, the universe, whatever is already conspiring to give you that thing 
that you're asking for. And so it is interesting that yours was at a place where you're like, I'm just going to throw it out there and stop worrying about it and just give it all. Yeah. So I do want to hear the rest of that, but we have to take a quick break. So remember what you were saying about, um, you know, what, what came to you, because I want to see what has happened. What have you done? And I want to know what the young people are like. You got it. (laughs) All right. We're going to be right back with the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. So, Michael, tell us uh, more about, you know, you threw caution to the wind. You asked for all of these things mm-hmm. and what happened. Yeah. So they got back to me and they, they didn't give me all that I asked for. I'll tell you that right now. Um, that that, you know, <laughs> that was a good amount of that was denied. But they did love what we were talking about doing. And they asked me to give them a formal proposal to do it. And so we did. And they sent us a contract, a five year contract. And with the state to go in and work with this one particular facility. And very quickly, as we started to build that facility, they then came back and said, hey, we have three more. Would you like to do those? And I was like, well, of course, this is what we're here for. And within a month, they came back and said, hey, we have seven more. And so we have built recording studios and delivered equipment to 10 studios so far from Westfield all the way to she's. Uh, beyond Boston, there's two other sites past Boston. Wow, and that's the, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is the thing that we went there for was to do concert technology development. And they expanded it into building the recording studios. And these are not just a computer and a lap, you know, a microphone. These are thirty and forty thousand dollar real facilities. And mm-hmm. 
We're actually in a process now of partnering with a major recording studio developer and installer out of Boston area to do a bunch more and to go back and develop them into full-fledged professional recording studios mm. and production. It's this is important because a lot of those young young people in there, they just want to get on the mic, right? But literally the first training we have when we're there with them, we're, we spend two to two to four hours with each group as we're there. The first training we have is you can get on the mic if you want. You can just express yourself. And that's cool. When you're done and you leave here, what are you going to do for work? Yeah. And most of them don't really have, you know, an answer yet. They're, they're, they're young, they're young people. Um, and we show them that being an engineer can be a very lucrative job and you get to express yourself mm. and you still record when you're ready. You know, you can do what you want. You can be both. Mm. And we talk a lot about their favorite uh, producers like Kanye and say, mm. you know, Kanye started as just an engineer and a producer. He mm. wasn't he wasn't a big time rapper. He was a producer for everyone else. He mm. wanted to be a big time rapper, but that's not what he was. So mm. when we when you show them that and you show them some possibilities some lanes start to open up from the, for, for a lot of them. And it's been very, very instrumental for us. Hmm. So, so you're showing them a skill that will help them uh, once they get out. You're actually giving them some hope about what they can do because many of our youth, they, are, they don't see the hope, particularly if they are repeating patterns in their own life of where they've seen other folks in their families go to jail and things like this. For some of the youth who are there, who've had that experience, there's no hope for them. So it seems like these programs that you're doing then are instilling hope in them. And you're also serving as a mentor to them. Um, Well, so what are you learning uh, about the youth and what are you learning about yourself? What am I learning about them? Um, Some of them just are, are in, we're in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. Right. Um, that's just who their friends are. Their friends showed them love. They were with those friends. Those friends were doing some dumb things. They didn't mm-hmm. say no to being next to them while they did the dumb stuff. And they just kept going down the path and it kept rolling down. Some of them, when you talk to them, you'll be like, this is a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a, this is a 13 year old little baby, yeah. you know, and they're incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Holy free hope. Like it's, it's not sometimes. Um, and then others, you're like, you, nothing you say, do, sit and listen to. It just seems like they're even trying to really listen. They mm-hmm. are in another place. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they've been through because they're not sharing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them are just in such a deep, a deep place that we can't even invite them into the studio for fear mm. that just destroy things. Mm. So I used to work uh, with youth just yeah. like that. Yeah. And I had the same feeling when I was there about them just being babies. And they would even say things like, do you think I would do this if I had another choice? Yeah. Do you think my life? And and some of them would even say, look, this is my life. I This is how I've grown up. All my brothers are in jail. My this is in jail, my that. And so that's what they knew. But I, what I'm hearing you, for me, it just sounds so hopeful that you're giving them this skill because what kids used to say to me sometimes, especially when I was offering my therapeutic stuff for them, they, they would say, miss, this is fine while we're in here. But when I get back out on the street, this stuff right here isn't going to work because it's a whole different game. And so, so there's an understanding, I think, 
of uh, that we gain when we hear their stories. And I'm just imagining you, the person who grew up in the suburbs who thought he was white and you're walking in this place. I'm imagining you must have had all sorts of ideas about, and maybe some of it had shifted before you ever walked in that place, but you might've had some ideas about who you thought these kids were. Yeah, I definitely. And I, and I think in the last show, I kind of talked about that, that demon that kind of walks with me, the assumption creature, right? So when I walk into situations, I have these pre pre existing thoughts about who people are and what they're going to say and how, how it's going to be and how I'm going to have to re- maneuver. And I have to shut all that down and almost restart my brain perpetually so that I'm moving in a direction that's supportive to them. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. what I tend to do is judge. It's the mm-hmm. same thing as the people with, who watch George Floyd and say, well, what did he do? What did mm-hmm. he do? To deserve it? What, 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 did, what did he do? Right. That's the first inclination in my brain. And I have to stop that and start from this, that's not why we're here, okay? That's not what we're here for. We're here mm-hmm. to do a job and to support some folks. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm just like a lot of other folks, you know, I assume they were all going to have braids, right? Everybody's going to have cornrows. Everybody's going to have tattoos all over the place. You know, I was going to, yo, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's my expectation. Um, but I am able now to shut that side of my myself down and walk in and be with them and be with... um understand where they are and be with them at where they are mm. part of yeah, i'll tell you what's interesting it's not just in the in the, the facility it's also where we are physically here in this building mm-hmm. so this building is absolutely gorgeous but when you step outside in this parking lot so, uh, there are plenty of times i've got to ask people to leave our porches who are shooting up okay mm-hmm. there's times all day long i'm outside asking people to leave the private lot because they're doing something in the lot they shouldn't be doing whether they're mm-hmm. waiting for something to come to them delivering something to someone else or performing a service. Okay. Mm -hmm. So all day long, I've had to deal with that. Now, when I first came here a year and a half ago, anger, everything was anger. If I saw something doing something, Oh, yo, God, blah, blah, blah. Now it's more like, these are my people and they have been struggling for years Mm -hmm. and they're not going to just stop. And and if I'm going to help them, I got to say, Hey, you can't do this here. And honestly, you shouldn't be doing it at all. What can I do to help? Mm. And it's just a different place to come from. I'm right? telling you, it's such amazing growth, you know, on, on your part. Um, and and how do you see what you're doing as dismantling racism, whether that be with the incarcerated youth or even going out and talking to folks? Because that's what this show is yeah. really about. Like in our everyday lives, how are we dismantling racism? There is a an interesting thing that I see that kind of angers and frustrates me. And then I also move forward through it. And that is when our people were dealing with a drug situation, a major drug situation, crack cocaine, the things are happening in our communities. What I heard was let them die. Um, oh, well, that's on them. Same mm-hmm. thing happened with the, the gay population during the AIDS epidemic. Right. Yeah. But now this opioid epi- epi- epidemic is this, Oh, my heart's bleeding from, and I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. Yeah. You let us go to the wayside, right? So, you know, somebody said to me, hey, I had a, a person called, do you want some of these things to help people when they're overdosing? And my initial, five years ago, I would have been like, oh yeah, give it to me. I want to help out. Now, my initial thing was, no, <laughs> as messed up as that sounds, mm. no, I, I know who's out there doing that stuff. 
that's not my folks. Mm. Let your folks suffer. And that's a horrible place to be. Yeah. But it's how I felt now. And now it's terrible as it sounds. I felt proud of myself for finally being there. Right. And then I had to turn that corner and say, listen, no human deserves to die in the street from an overdose. Right. You can take these things and you can support people. I, but, so I, I think what's great about what you're doing is because you're showing the world the battle that we have. And yeah. that's how you dismantle racism is to wrestle with yourself, which is yes. what you're doing. Because what folks need to also understand that when we are touting things for our race, when we are saying Black Lives Matter or I want to do this for my race, it isn't necessarily that I want the other race to suffer. Right. It's about I want some attention to it. And so what you're doing is you're kind of showing us in real time how you had to wrestle with all of those things in your life Every to get you in a place to say human life is also human life, but not, but, and, cause I try to say that a lot. And mm-hmm. I do have a strong focus on helping people of color because there's a, um, there's a, a lack of help for people mm-hmm. of color. And so what I hear you doing is stepping up in that arena to yeah. do that. Um, but I, I do want to talk for a bit because when I think about what you're doing to dismantle racism as it relates to the incarcerated youth, I think about recidivism, right? You know how when kids get out and they go, but just keep going back, keep going back, keep going back. How do you see your work as decreasing the number of kids who wind up just being repeat offenders? Yeah. And this is where we get excited. This is, this is the, the thing that excites me every day. So the entertain, so I, I was on both sides of the entertainment industry. I was on the side that was creative and creating the work. And then I went to the side that was behind the scenes, creating the concerts for those who had created some work. And what I saw were those who were behind the scenes, most of them who were in charge and doing the actual work didn't look like me. Mm. Um, and there's a whole group about this on Facebook. Um, um, uh, uh, I can't think of the name of the group, but I have to look it up right now. But all, all it's just people of color who work in the entertainment industry and the production side. And we're constantly seeking this. Mm. So the entertainment industry is constantly seeking new workers, new highly skilled workers. And mm. more importantly, it is seeking minorities, females, you know, uh, BIPOC communities to come into that work. Mm. On, on the incarceration side, what I'm seeing is that a lot of these young folks, when they get out, mm. they don't have anywhere to go but the place where they were, where they learned how to do the things that got them in there. They mm. don't have another place to go to. And a lot of them don't even have that. Mm. So um, what we're seeking to do is to give them the skills so that they, when they get out, they can go right on tour. Right. I want to go right on a tour, get them out of that community that they were in. Yeah, Get them those skills where they can get paid good money get them in a place where they're jumping from hotel to hotel and they can experience different countries, different places so that they have the wherewithal and the ability to never come back to that community if they don't want to, or they can come back to that community and support that community in the way that they never could have by just being in there doing some, some kind of not so great things. So, you know, we have to take a break, but you just said a whole bunch of stuff that I hope uh, we can get into in our last couple of minutes of the show. We're going to be back with my guest, Michael Grant. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. 
Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest, Michael Grant. So, Michael, before the break, you talked about, you know, teaching these kids a skill and then giving them an opportunity to uh, not have to go back into the neighborhoods in which they they lived in. Talk a little bit about that, because if they're younger, you're giving them the skills, but they may not be able to go on tour at a very early age. Like what would be what would be the process for that? And then two, one of the things I thought about is how your record follows you. And the good thing about it is your record prior to 16 doesn't have to follow you. So can you speak to those two things a little bit? Sure. Um, for those who are under 18 and can't go on tours right now, um, what we are offering them are con- a program that we have here in the community called Concerts for Communities. And where mm-hmm. that is, all, there's a lot of local nonprofit agencies, schools, anything like that, that are doing small events. And we produce those events for them. And then we invite those young people who are going through our training to be the engineers for those events. Mm-hmm. So we just did the um, WMAS Halloween Bash, which is a big radio station here. We mm-hmm. did that bash at the Mass Mutual Center. We did the video screen. We did all the lighting. We did the smoke and all those things. And one of the young people who just got released two weeks ago was our lead engineer for that particular, for that event. Mm-hmm. So you know that's something we can offer. And we pay them for that. We pay them a good rate. Um, and, so- and are there other services then to help support him otherwise? Because he could make the money, but he's still going back into the same environment. So is and, there and now we're- wraparound services? I can only do so much, you know, yeah. so we try to bring in as many partners and DYS tries to bring in as many partners together to serve these young people. And it is tough. I tell you, it's it's a challenge literally every day. Simple things like, do I have a ride to work? Mm. Gets in the way every friggin' day. So mm. a concert, you know, maybe eight in the morning, you may, we may be building this conference from eight in the morning to one in the afternoon. 
But then the event itself may not start till six. So there's this break between two and six. And now this young person is at this space and they're like, well, where am I going to go? Yeah. Right. And then we ask them to come back at six o'clock and the event's not over till 11 o'clock and Mm -hmm. we have to take everything down. So we're not leaving there till one in the morning. Who's giving Mm -hmm. them a ride? Yeah. You know, this is, it's so simple and yet it is so challenging for them. Every day they got to figure this out. How am I going to get a ride to where I got to go? And you just say, well, Uber. Yeah. Well, they're not old enough to just get in an Uber yet. Right. Right. Or they don't have the money to just get an Uber. So now we got to work something out with the state or we're paying for it. And I got to reimburse. And it is a challenge. When it's one person, it's one thing. When it's 20, it's another. Right, right. It's- and so so what can our listeners, is there some anything that our listeners can do to help mm-hmm. in situations like that? It may not be this particular one, but like, what what can we start to think about with programs like this? And Well, I, I'll tell you, um, if you're out there and you want to help, uh, one thing I can tell you right now is a need, a very big need in, our, in, in, in all of these lockups are licensed barbers. Mm. License, you have to be licensed. That's the first problem. You have to mm. be licensed from the state and in, you need to be willing mentally to go into the facilities and just cut some of these young people hair. Mm. The, uh, the state is willing to pay you and it pays a decent rate. But from here to Boston, our people struggle mm. to get barbers in there. Oh, See what I'm okay. saying? So there's young people who are in there who want some braids. There's young people in there who 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 need a, a shape up and they need it fairly regularly. But the people who are willing and are currently being paid to go in there don't always know how to take care of our hair. Right. And and I and and the people who are listening couldn't see you do the air quotes with the oh, license oh, because the other issue for us is we some of us not me, but like in our community have been cutting hair from since we were little and know how to cut yeah. and shape up and do all of that. But yeah. there's another issue with going and getting licensed and all of that, which we don't have time to talk about today. Yeah. But but I do want to just want to take you back just for a real quick second. And what about the, the people who are over, um, you know, 16, 17, 18, mm-hmm. um, you know, What's happening with them around their records and them getting out and being able to have a, a job? You know, I don't I don't really know. Um, I've, I've never really had that conversation about their records because it's just not my interest. Right. I just want to get them work and get them in there. Um, the folks the my industry, the entertainment industry doesn't care about their record. Mm-hmm. Half these artists have records, too. So <laughs> they simply do not care. And um, the folks in the backside, it's fairly militant. And a lot of them in the culture, I mean, it's a very a, a kind of militant culture grammatically and things like that. So they don't really care about that stuff. They just want to know what you can do the job that you're being asked to do. So basically what I hear you saying there, there, there's, that isn't a barrier. Your Correct. path is not a barrier for you getting in. And so one of the things that I think about with what you are doing is you're also, I mentioned the word hope before, but you're teaching them what to dream. Because when you say you take them out and and they have the opportunity to get a job and they go from hotel to hotel and they see a different way of life, mm-hmm. they then know what to dream. But yeah. when all you see is what's around you, you sometimes don't think about the possibilities. And it's the same way when we're dismantling racism. If all we see is just the continued devastation and not the things that we're doing that really is helping to advance racial equity. We we just think like it's all uh, for naught. But there's there's some great work 
that's being done out here. And so I thank you for being one of the people who actually do this great work. So before we have to go, uh, Mm -hmm. and before I give you your your last closing thing, what are there any other uh, things that we missed that you might want to share about your particular program and what it's doing to dismantle racism? I don't think so. I, I think, um, you know, we're we're excited. We wake up excited every day to do this work. Um, uh, we're looking for engineers, anybody who is in this industry or has come from this industry, who is an audio engineer, a lighting designer, you know, anyone, anywhere from the live stuff to the music production to piano playing. We have young people who just want to learn how to play an instrument. We're looking for people to come on board and to help us go into these facilities and teach right inside the locations. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh. And we're. We're also looking to eventually take this nationwide. We're well, not going to. So can people can people donate to you because you're a nonprofit, and so how yeah. how can they donate to you? They can visit our website at www.givemusic.us, and there's a button right there that says donate, and you can make a one-time donation or you can do a monthly donation, whatever the dollar amount you choose. Mm-hmm. And that and that would go a long way with helping these these programs that you have also setting you up. I mean, because I know I've seen your studios. And so I, I know that you have to buy a lot of equipment and all of that that goes in there. So it would help with that. You're giving people uh, I, I would venture to say because you not only work with incarcerated youth, um, I would venture to say that you're always pulling out of your pocket to give to the young people as well. And so. Yeah. Folks want to support you, they can give um, uh, to your organization. So tell us, I know you have a quote that you yes. tend to live by. Will you share that with us uh, as will. we close out the show? I will. And, th- and this quote, I- I'm going to I'm going to try not to get emotional when I when I read it. So when I first saw this quote, it was um, I thought it was it's called man. It was inside of a play called Man versus Superman. And I thought it was literally a human talking to Superman and the human was asking Superman why he does what he does. Mm. That's what I thought. So this is what I read as Superman's response to, to this man. And his response goes like this. This is the true joy in life, being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, being a force of nature instead of a clod of feverish, selfish little ailments and grievances. Complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the. Damn it. Every time I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community. And as long as I live, it is my privilege to do for it what I can. It is a sort of splendid torch which I have got hold of for just a moment. And I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Mm. That's by George Bernard Shaw. And I read that as often as I freaking can and trying to help my folks. I love it. Well, Michael, it's been a delight having you on the show today. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you so much for all the work that you are doing out here. It is needed and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Again, I want to thank my listeners, not just for today, but I want to thank you for being a part of my life for as long as you have tuned into this show over the last two and a half years. Remember, I'm only taking a hiatus from uh, this uh, particular 
uh, platform at this particular moment in life. It does not mean that I will uh, not return to do some other things as well. I am still continuing the work of dismantling racism because it never ends. And I invite you to go to my website, www.sacredintelligence.com to be in contact with me and to find out more about what I do. In the meantime, I want to invite you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Liebowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that manifest the good in you and those around you. Know that we are all one and exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Bye for now. You're listening. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mara Brathu, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism, 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 